0: Welcome to the Science of Caring episode. Today we're going to talk about our research that we did together in 2019 when Donna was working in China. We have written about this research in our new book that's published in 2021 called Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Outcomes in Healthcare. So Donna, I'm going to ask you to tell everyone that's listening today about your current work and about the work that you were doing when we were working together in China.
1: Hi, Dr. Nelson, thank you so much for inviting me to this episode. Um, I am so excited to talk about our work as I think we made significant um, care improvements um, in our hospital in China. Um, as you might know, I worked in China from 2017 to 2019 when I came back to the United States um, right before the pandemic hit. so could not return to my work in China, but I'm thrilled to announce that they continue that work over there um, as I had to uh, transition my role here in the United States. So currently I am the chief executive officer of the Arizona Nurses Association, um, where I lead um, work through the um, American Nurses Association as a constituent uh, state nurses association to support nursing here in Arizona. Uh, but I am thrilled to talk about what we've done in China and the context around our work. Um, but just a little premise. Um, again, I worked there for about three years and I worked in a province called Yinchuan, China, which is 30 miles from the Mongolian border. So just so everybody can kind of get a picture is this hospital is not in a large area like Shanghai or Beijing. It is in more of a, a small rural area although uh, no area in China is small from, from the United States standards, but um, just did not have the resources that some of the larger areas like Shanghai and, and Beijing have.
0: Okay, thanks, Donna. Now I'm gonna give a little background of our study that we did together just so people understand uh, the reference point as we're speaking about China. Now. You, it was all nurses that we um, sent surveys out to, and we were looking at things like job satisfaction, caring for self, caring of manager, and clarity of system and role. And we wanted to know how those concepts related to one another in a overall model. And we did do something called invariance testing. We made sure that the um, there was no bias in any of the instruments when we compared countries. So, when we look at the mean scores with higher scores, meaning more caring for self, more caring of the manager, more job satisfaction, that that was indeed true. And we did find that there was no bias in the instruments. And this can be read about in the book, in it's chapter 16 in the book. And both you and I are um, two of the authors on that chapter. But one of the things that we found that was so fascinating is Your scores, first of all, of job satisfaction were so much more high, were a lot higher than anyone else um, in the globe. We had 2,046 nurses total that responded to every item. And you had, um, it was well over 200 nurses uh, that were part of that sample. And um, just share with us some of the reasons why things like um, well, I'll share first of all the things that we measured. We looked at, uh, in job satisfaction, we looked at the participation of the unit manager, the, their satisfaction with their unit manager, satisfaction with their professional growth, satisfaction with their autonomy, satisfaction with their co-worker relationships, satisfaction with their distributive justice, and then satisfaction with patient care. So there were three social and three technical dimensions. But China was essentially the hospital you were at. They were higher in every domain and remarkably so. So um, I think a review of some of the reasons it was so high, I think will be helpful. So why don't you talk a little bit about just the work environment in itself and about what they were learning about their professional role?
1: Sure. So I was there as a consultant uh, through a company called Prefer U.S. And I was there to help this hospital transition to United States best practices and standards of care. So the first thing was that they had leadership engagement to really transform care delivery of this hospital. I noticed that you mentioned that we did all nurses. Well, in China, nurses have the role of every provider. So to give you a little bit of Context around that in in the United States we have may have nursing assistants we may have licensed practical nurses we may have health aides, patient care techs we have all different roles that support the work of nurses. Uh, However, in China they do not. Yeah. They are registered nurses. Every nurse is registered, and they do all of those roles into uh, you know collectively. So uh, when we talk when we talked about studying. Uh, the workforce in my hospital, it was inherently all nurses and we didn't have to segment out those other professions or roles. So as I said, they were just transforming their healthcare. We were getting ready to open a brand new hospital, a 650-bed hospital that had the specialty of orthopedics and women's services. And so they needed to transform their whole healthcare system, interdisciplinary team to really start to deliver deliver quality care based on quality improvement processes. And so having the leadership support and that transition or that transformation was really the premise of why I think we did so well. They recognized that they were gonna deliver care in a completely different way. And they not only had to deliver that care in a meaningful way, but also transform the culture from the patients to accept that care delivery model.
0: Now, one of the things when you say that they were preparing to deliver care in a completely different way, one of the things, because you and I have talked about this before, so I have some knowledge of some of the um, interesting idiosyncrasies or uniquenesses of this context. But one of the things that we measured was autonomy. And you had told some interesting stories on how they were transitioning from a very um, dependent or hierarchical role where they were not on the top, they were more on the lower rungs of that hierarchy. But talk a little bit about uh, their response to um, autonomy and uh, as it relates to their clinical practice.
1: Sure. So as you said, the hospital that I was working with and my understanding of care delivery in China is that nurses play a subservient role, that there is a really structured hierarchy of care with physicians being on top, and basically, the nurses, similar to what we've done in the United States in the past, is, is follow the the orders of the physician. And so they um, really did not have autonomy in their care. They basically did what the physicians ordered for the patients. So one of the first things that I did when I was over there was implemented a platform for effective communication, and to ensure that the nurses could be part of the care team. And we implemented bedside reporting using SBAR so that the nurses could give report on the patients, could provide recommendations of what they believed that the patient needed within their care planning. And this was something totally different that the nurses had never done before, had never tried Uh, So they struggled with that autonomy, they struggled with being, you know, oh, we're not supposed to tell the doctors what to do. And so it was really a lot of coaching and mentoring of saying that they had that we are a knowledge based profession, that they have knowledge um, that they can add to the care planning of the patient and that their voices should be heard as part of the care team. And so, but luckily the physicians were very open and very willing. They actually wanted the nurses to speak up. They wanted the nurses to provide insight because of course, similar to the United States, They're the largest segment of the healthcare workforce and they spend the most time with the patients. So uh, it was really truly embraced that the nurses could elevate their value, elevate their professional role and start to become a part of the care team instead of a task-based profession.
0: Now, one of the tools that you use to help nurses orient into these independent, interdependent and dependent roles of the professional nurse is you use simulation can you talk a little bit about the simulation labs you used the prevalence of that and what their response was to the the labs
1: sure so when i first started there they did not know simulation they they were not aware of it they were not aware of that technology Now, it was being used in the larger areas like Shanghai and um, Beijing, but not in my smaller areas. They were not aware. So we actually were able to work with um, simulation companies to provide the mannequins and provide some of that. I actually took some of their leaders to uh, the simulation user network conference that was held in Beijing to introduce them. And so we were actually to do both high fidelity and low fidelity and human um, simulation with them for role modeling and uh, setting expectations and providing standardized care processes. So I will give you an example. One thing that we did was name bands. You know, they did, they, were, they did not use two patient identifiers, they did not have patient name, you know, armbands. So we had to work just with getting armbands in place to ensure patient safety that we were giving, you know, the right patient, you know, the medications and, and ensuring the identification of the patient.
0: Now, this hospital was brand new. So it wasn't only that they were learning new things, that they were having simulation labs that they hadn't had before, but the entire environment was brand new. So talk a little bit about just their response to having this brand new facility and uh, sort of what their disposition or response was to having something so new.
1: Well, it was very interesting. We had to train over 750 healthcare personnel to the new hospital and to the new environment and so two years that i was working with them prior to opening up the new hospital we had to start to set the framework and set these these processes and structures in place so that when we opened up the new hospital they could easily transition but to train over 750 people we actually developed five simulation scenarios that would address the most prevalent patient care scenarios that they would see in their hospital. So for instance, it could be a, an orthopedic trauma patient. It could be a laboring mother, right? And then we, we ran all of them interdisciplinary through each of these scenarios from admission to discharge so that they would understand the process of care delivery, and that included all of those things that we kind of take for a grant take for granted now in the United States uh-huh. on how we're going to do things to align with our Joint Commission accreditation. So it was very, very interesting and rewarding to see the care team or the whole entire hospital engage in these simulation exercises to get the patients safely through their healthcare experience improve the patient satisfaction, and ensure that we um, are providing the best quality of care that we could possibly deliver.
0: Now, Donna, you're talking about care planning and providing a, a patient experience. What form of model of care do they utilize, like primary nursing, team nursing, Um more of a task-based nursing, Um, talk a little bit about the format of care or even frameworks of care that they have over there, if they do have them at all.
1: Uh, Sure, it was uh, more team nursing, but task-based, but we shifted to primary care. So for instance, when I first arrived, it was one nurse that did all the medication administration, one nurse that did all the dressing changes, one nurse that did all the bathing, one nurse that fed the patients, one nurse that, you know, um, so it was very task based. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of care is dependent on family. So if family was not available, oftentimes the patient did not get some of those common um, assistance with um, ADR, you know, uh, assistance with daily living needs. So but it was very much focused on tasks of what they were going to do and we shifted that to more primary care where they actually took a specific number of patients based on you know what we do kind of in the United States acuity levels and 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 so they became then the primary nurse because that helped them to be able to report to the physician more holistically what the patient was experiencing during their their time of admission into the acute care arena.
0: Now, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that primary nursing comment, but before I go into that, I want to uh, talk a little more, bit more about this task focus that you mentioned. Now, would you say that it was more of a task base where it was just focused on the task and not team-based or would you say that it was more like a a team uh, effort Uh, did they work in isolation or did they understand how to work in teams
1: no it, it was isolation it was if i completed all the medications i was i was done um but it was not oh maybe my patient is having some type of side effect to the medications that would not be recognized Or maybe the medications, you know, they were getting pain medications and it wasn't as effective as we would like it to be. That was not recognized, you know. So it was very much I go in, I'm going to do my task and I'm going to leave and go to, you know, production line type of um, process.
0: So then as you were moving toward more of a primary based nursing where a nurse is a uh, responsible for that patient from admission to discharge, working with the plan of care, the collaboration of care with other disciplines, helping the family. Would you say it was moving toward that or was it more total care where they just provided all the cares for a patient while still considering all the different responses to care? So I'm, I'm getting at the, the the care planning, the collaborating, and the continuity as primary nursing, or was it more uh, a move into total care, which is not quite primary nursing, but it's more than a task-based nursing?
1: I wanna say it was primary nursing because they still included other aspects, like for instance, physician's assessment. But in China, the nurses primarily did not assess. So that was another barrier that we had to overcome was uh, they learned how to do it in school. They had the knowledge and the skill, but they just did not put it in practice because it was not an expectation once they went, in, went into the practice arena. So we had to elevate that expectation that the nurses were going to assess the patient so that they could weigh in on the care, the primary care delivery.
0: Oh, interesting. And did you find that the Um, ability or the response to move toward that really varied from unit to unit, from nurse to nurse? Or talk a little bit about how their response was to moving into assessing and then planning and communicating.
1: Yes. Well, from the nurses, they were excited. Um, And I think this was what lent to our Um, high degree of satisfaction within our surveys was they were very, very excited to to elevate their role, to elevate their professional identity, to elevate the value of nursing um, and to become really an integral part uh, because they always knew that they were, but they could never really articulate it or demonstrate, right, because it was such a subservient um, practice arena. But once they became, had the ability to assess and then to document that assessment when they moved into the new hospital and became, um, had to learn the electronic medical record, which was something that they had not previously done, then they could really start to um, identify with what their role was and how their role is critical to that patient experience and patient satisfaction and ensuring that the patient has good outcomes with high quality care.
0: So now we've talked about the coworkers, about the professional growth, about the patient care um, and the autonomy. The two areas of job satisfaction we haven't talked about are the manager and then the uh, professional reward. So let's talk a little bit about their relationship with the manager. When they moved into the hospital and they were learning these new courses, was there a lot of interaction and support with the manager? Just talk a little bit about the unit manager in relationship to the nurses.
1: Yes, so we did a lot of training on uh, that interprofessional relationship. Again, it was a a workplace environment that was more disciplinary in nature than support and mentoring and meaningful recognition. So I will give you an example. If there was a medication error or a potential medication error and the nurse discovered it, the nurse would say, oh, I almost gave this medication and it was the wrong dose. Then it was disciplinary. The nurse actually got in trouble hmm. for because she almost gave that medication and it almost was an error. So hmm. it was really became this, this environment of, of hiding those things, right? Or not being transparent because, of course, Um, They didn't want to get in trouble, but I did a lot of work around, you know, healthy work environments, around meaningful recognition, around safety and speaking up for patient safety so that we could begin to transform their thinking in that we wanted those errors to be recognized so that we could do continuous quality improvement on our processes and our structures and our patient to, to have better patient outcomes.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Now you're, um, you're talking about rewards and that brings me to the uh, last of the six variables that we found were very important globally and which is discussed in our chapter in the book. But we found that feeling rewarded for the effort put forth, and that could include the education, the hours put in, just the integrity of which, how, how they work, that kind of thing. So talk a little bit about how they're rewarded for the effort that they put forth in China as a nurse.
1: Right. So they are paid, I believe they're paid weekly, but every nurse is paid the same. They do not really have a structure for, say, night shift. You know, there's no pay differential for night shift. There is no pay differential for weekends. So it's it's really, and they get the they get the same amount of pay, I believe, throughout the province or uh, throughout the country. And they are not licensed. So for instance, we are like we take one national exam and licensed in each of our states. They're licensed within each province, and then they cannot move from province to province typically. So where they get licensed is typically where they stay. So there's there's this feeling that it's, it's not, that they don't have a lot of growth for professional, you know, a lot of opportunities for growth for, for, and for professional development.
0: Now, do they encourage master's degree or doctor's degree? And is there pay differential for getting certified or advancing your education?
1: Yeah, they do not have certifications. So, they, what my understanding is that they're at a baccalaureate level, but it is more from what I've seen of the curriculum and, you know, that it's more an associate degree level equivalent in the United States and more task based, right? Like what we talked about. But and it takes many, many, many years for them to move up into leadership roles. Mm-hmm. So similar to what we, we've done in the United States in the past, right? We would, we would go in as an entry-level nurse, and then we would spend many years, you know, at the bedside, in the hospital, to be able to move up into those manage, management positions versus getting academically prepared for those leadership roles.
0: Now, one of the things that I became aware of when we were doing this study is you said the turnover was very, very high. Uh, And I think it's so important when we do global research, like you and I have been doing, uh, with, I mean, currently we're working with 13 different countries. But I think it's so important to talk about the difference contextually. So, talk a little bit about the concerns about the a turnover and sort of what the uh, policies within the country have created as far as uh, nurse turnover.
1: Right. So they've had a, a huge rise in turnover when they opened up the ability to have two children. And now we're hearing, you know, on most recent news that they're opening up and trying to get individuals to have three children. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. Because yes. nationally, they were only allowed to have one child for many right. years.
1: Up until, you know, yes, in the 70s, they put that one child law in place. And then they, they opened it up to two children. And now just, you know, this past week, I've heard three children. Wow. But what that did was when they opened it up, they their nursing profession, the median age is 25. The median age is childbearing ages, Right so a lot of the nurses would leave the profession just simply to bear children and raise their families
0: because it's mostly um, it's mostly women
1: and, and it's and yes yes a high percentage of women in the profession of nursing similar to what the united states was many years ago
0: right now would you say uh, in your experience at the hospital because we run about 10 percent men in nursing currently what would you say in your experience at the hospital you were at how many male nurses did you work with as you were serving as a consultant there?
1: Uh, we were less than 1%. Oh. Yes, very, very few men.
0: So this childbearing rule uh, really has impacted nursing even more so than some other countries might have. Yes. Oh, that's very interesting. So well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we've were, been we were talking about the manager um, and one of the Uh, instruments that we utilized besides job satisfaction was their perception of the caring of the manager, because in our global research, we found that the caring of the manager impacted four of the six variables of job satisfaction, and that was a statistically significant relationship. So talk a little bit about how they responded to those questions, because it was valid and reliable. It, It behaved well, but talk a little bit about not only the communication of the manager but in this construct of caring of the manager talk a little bit about the caring of the
1: manager and their response to those
0: concepts
1: right so again we did this study when you know we had started to shift it was probably about year 2 that I was there that we launched our study so we were really starting to transition the delivery of care at that point so their perspective was not one of a historical perspective. It was one of, what are the managers doing right now? And so we did a lot of work with our managers. Um, leadership rounding was one thing that we did um, on, and taught them how to do leadership rounding and to really connect with their their staff, right? And provide that, that just-in-time meaningful recognition, um, but also hearing the voices of the nurses at, at the bedside. So I think uh, we also implemented huddles, uh, you know, morning huddles, so that people could um, could voice concerns or things that were going on within the unit. So I think that helped a lot with their pers- perspective of that the managers really care. They care about me as a person. They care about me as an integral part of this, this unit and, a, and an integral part of uh, keeping the patients safe and providing a, a healthy work environment.
0: Now, do you think that their perspective on caring of the manager might be a little different than historically it would have been? It would have been more hierarchical or more authoritarian, do you think?
1: Yes, I I would be very interested in seeing if we, if we did this study in a hospital that didn't have the U.S.-based influence that I brought, it would be very interesting to see what their perspectives would be.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's that's uh, that's interesting, uh, Donna. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It would be um, fun to uh, look at some other organizations that uh, don't have this kind of leadership training, that kind of thing. Now, keeping in line with the concept of uh, caring in caring for self, talk a little bit about their perspective of caring for self. As you know, in the caring theories, at least like in relationship-based care or with Watson's theory of uh, transpersonal caring, that um, those uh, frameworks and models propose that in order to care for others, you need to care for self. So talk a little bit about their perspective of caring for self within China.
1: Well, I think China uh, far outweighs us here in the United States when it comes to caring for self. They have, uh, you know, they do get time off, right? They do, you know, they do take vacations and things like that. But their culture is much more holi- that that they really care for themselves. So even in their orientation to the hospital, they have kind of like a basic training. They have to be able to physically perform. So they do physical activity and things like that every week. Um, and so I think it's they do a much better job. Uh, They work very, very hard, you know, but they do do a much better job to make sure that they take time to care for themselves and make sure that they maintain, you know, their health and well-being.
0: Oh, that's, that's interesting, Donna. Now, with this, within this hospital, what was their response to engaging with an international research study? Is this something that, do they do research as nurses or as a nursing body at least in the area that you were within and uh, how did they react to uh, this international work
1: Yes no they had never had never engaged in research again uh, probably in Beijing and Shanghai and those uh, those bigger areas of China certainly they have nurse scholars uh, but the the nurses that I was working with had never had never been published had never engaged in research so they were just very excited. You know the concept of data driven knowledge, you know, just very excited to learn that we can drive our outcomes, we can drive our care delivery based on data. So uh, you know we engaged in this research study, and we engaged, and we had did some little like quality improvement studies within the hospital itself to talk about data and how that can help make help you make clinical decisions
0: well now what would have been interesting is if because in our research we found that including in china at the facility you were at we found that clarity of role had a strong impact on their job satisfaction so the more they understood their role the more they enjoyed that um, it would have been interesting to see what it was like, as you're, you've stated already, if we had done a baseline prior to you doing all of this work and helping them understand their role and you know, what it would have looked like then uh, versus now.
1: Right. It would have been very interesting.
0: Right. So now in your experience there, what was the one thing that you appreciated the most about working with that culture and what was the most surprising for you?
1: Uh, I appreciated just their level of engagement and their thirst for knowledge. They just wanted to know everything about everything. And were, the rapid infusion of change was so impressive. Things that might take the United States, you know, five, 10 years to implement and, and change. Uh, I mean, we know, you know, prior to the internet, it was like 18 years when an evidence-based practice change initiative came out that we had the research to support. It took us 18 years to implement it uh, historically. But there, they just embraced everything. And it was a very, very quick turnaround of this is what we're going to do. Now, part of that is because of that hierarchical structure, right? You know, rules-based. It came down from the top. Me kind of being in the position I was in, I was considered the, one of the, the top of the hierarchy, right, that I was making these recommendations and that, that now they were going to operationalize it and implement it very, very quickly. But I, I really enjoyed the fact that they enjoyed learning, that they were wanting to learn, and they were just really hungry for that, you know, just had a, that hunger and thirst for knowledge. And what surprised you the most? Uh, what surprised me the most was the lack of progression within the healthcare system. I would have thought that they would have been a lot further along than than what they were when I first got there. So for instance, again, you know, a small province, but uh, orthopedic spinal cord hospital, but did not know or how to use, uh, they. well, they didn't even know what a backboard was, let alone how to use a backboard for safe patient transfer, right? In an orthopedic specialty hospital. So some of those things that uh, they just didn't know what they didn't know because they had never been introduced to it. So that that's what one of the things that really surprised me.
0: Now, as we did our international research together, Donna, the thing that I appreciated the most across all the countries that we've worked thus far is there is really a culture of nursing. <clears throat> And that nurses, they just embrace the care of the patient. Now, there may be different system limitations, that kind of thing. But um, I just appreciate that uh, they understand that, therefore, evaluating the patient response to respond accordingly and to uh, make sure that that patient is, is feeling taken care of. So that was my experience in working internationally and observing like jamaica we write about the the context of jamaica that the primary nursing was the patient care was one of the lowest dimensions of job satisfaction but it isn't because patient care wasn't important it's because the jamaican culture is it takes a village so it was interesting talking to them about their context and again this is chapter 15 in the book and how they approach patient care. So as you've been a very important part in our international research, what's been your overall perspective of having a global conversation about nursing, caring, clarity, job satisfaction? What's what's your um, sort of takeaway in working globally?
1: Sure, You know, my answer might've been different pre-2020. Right, pre global pandemic. But we have just gone through an historic event where nurses have been a critical element of the healthcare system globally. And so I think that we have a lot of opportunity to talk about our profession, to talk about the framework of our profession, and to remind, uh, you know the world leaders what we do from a global perspective to improve health and healthcare outcomes around the world and so i think it's critical that we start having these these conversations because we need to elevate the identity of the profession globally not just within one country or one region of the world that that our nurses need to be able to have that you know they have the drive they have the ethical comportment right they have the caring principles and if we could really leverage that around the world i think that we could see huge huge impacts of uh, global health
0: no that's such a good point i know when i talk to our researchers in serbia russia croatia israel scotland all these different countries, uh, Canada that we're working in, all of them had such similar report of, of caring for patients in the in this pandemic and the need for uh, support, not only interdisciplinary, but just from healthcare as a system as well, because they were in the thick of it, uh, face-to-face with those patients as they were struggling and dying with COVID. So now I, I think that's such a good, such a good point of what you're saying. Now, the last question I have for you has reflects on really um, the center of what we believe in our profession is our specialty, and that is caring. Now, as we've talked about, um, nurses are at the bedside most of the time, they're there 24-7, other disciplines come and go, but we have the greatest opportunity to display caring. That doesn't mean that we're the only ones that do care, but we have the greatest opportunities to enact caring. And when I'm talking about caring, I'm not talking about caring as an emotion, I'm talking about caring as an intention. So as you have worked with China, and you've worked well. You've worked around the globe. You work in Africa. You work in the U.S. You've you've done a lot of work globally. What is your perspective of the importance of caring, as a foundation of nursing, as an element of our profession? And, and I'm talking not only theoretically but operationally as well. What what's your view on the embracing of of caring, professionally?
1: I believe we have science to back this up. Is that Nurses that care or demonstrate caring principles have improved patient outcomes, meaning that when a patient knows that the nursing, nurse cares about them as an individual, not as, uh, you know, bed 242 on floor f- five, right, that, that patients improve or patients don't give up as easily. That they that they strive to become part of their healthcare delivery, part of the decision making of their healthcare, when they know that there's someone that cares about them and cares about their health in a meaningful way. So I think that's the the question that you're getting at is is I think that it uh, caring is foundational to our profession, but it can also have or certainly have financial implications with the healthcare system.
0: Right. And that's what we're trying to show as an international group. Our research is to show that it really is the quadruple aim is that caring, when when we have a caring experience and we can convey that operationally uh, to the patients, that it does make an impact on outcomes, on finance, on productivity, all those different things. Correct. Right. Well, I'm aware of our time being up um, Donna so I just want to say thank you so much for taking time to talk with us about your experience in China. I think it's so important for us to uh, have this conversation and to do uh, collaborative research so that we can not only see if caring is important globally, but how does how is uh, caring inactualized and operationalized you know in the different countries that we're working in. So I want to say thank you for your time.
1: And thank you for having me, Dr. Nelson. It was a pleasure.
0: And I want to say thank you to all of you listeners that have listened to this episode. We hope that you will look for our book, Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes, uh, published by Wiley. You can find it on Amazon and any bookseller. So thank you, and we look forward to having you visit us again.